Welcome to episode 76 of the Process Podcast. Stand out. Thank you for being here with me today. Appreciate you for coming. Change on me if you knew the truth Knowing I ain't the same person that was introduced Thank the Lord cause I don't look like what I've been through Here's a letter to you I'm back again Jesus on that cross I had to rise again Time to get my blessings, time to get my blessings I had to live my life, I had to learn my lessons I had to keep that smile but deep inside I'm stressing Just trying to keep my spirits from that deep depression Welcome to episode 76 of the Process Podcast. I am Amante Martin. Today we have Miss Tabitha James joining us on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Tabitha. Thank you so much. Super excited to be here. Hey, thank you for joining us. Could you tell the listeners where you're from? Sure. Hey, listeners. I am Tabitha D. James, and I am from a little town called Lakeview, South Carolina. Lakeview, South Carolina. What was it like growing up there for you? Yeah, so it was cool. Um, It's small. So let me put into context for you all, because I know that small is a relative term, just like large is a relative term. But when I'm saying small, I'm talking... No stoplights, no name brand restaurants. Um, I graduated high school with uh, 70 other scholars. So when I say small, I really mean small. So um, growing up, it was, you know, most people are very tight knit. A lot of them have um, a lot of family that live in the area and things like that. I came along a little later in life, I like to say. So um, most of my, I guess you would say, like I didn't really grow up with cousins and stuff. They were a lot older than me. Um, but I created a great bond with my friends and, you know, made my way and, and pivoted through growing up here. Uh, one of the advantages I think that I was able to capitalize on because of being in a small area, um, you, you could do a lot of things, right? Like you could be a part of, you know, multiple sports or multiple clubs and organizations, uh, because the student population was so small. So that's kind of what it was like, uh, growing up around, around these parts. You know, what was it like growing up sure. in a small town in terms of like finding your identity? Ooh, that's a good one. So I think that that maybe came after I was gone. 
okay, okay. Um, to keep it 100 because it's so small. Again, there's a lot of, you know, people who think small also because you are around. Even um, you, you have like a family type community at school and you have educators that definitely genuinely care about uh, you as a human most times. Uh, but there are some limitations even with that sometimes because people may have not seen some of the things that big dreamers see or maybe not been exposed to um, just things that you're able to dream up as a kid. And also, I am um, a middle millennial, if you will. So technology was out, right? It was having its peak. So Al Gore's internet was out and you are able, you are able to look up <laughs> <laughs> look up things and and you know just being able to see that there were a plethora of options you know for life so um finding identity I would say for me definitely began to peak when I left when I went off to school um identity while I was here especially as a young person looked a lot like taking on identities that may or may not have been mine Mm -hmm. um to fit in right so mm -hmm. I had my uh scholar friends like my homies that we you know we kicking it we studying we make we calling each other to make sure we studied and stuff like that I had my you know athlete friends that you know we practice together we cut the food together that kind of thing I had my church friends I had my friends that I probably have no business being my friends but they was my friends <laughs> um so it was like several different sectors of tap I had to be several different um People. So there were a lot of uh, varying identities that came along with that. So that's the that's the long way answer <laughs> to, that, <laughs> to that question. You know, what were some adversities you had to overcome? Or what was high school like for you academically and as an athlete? When I look back now, it was pretty magical. Yeah. <laughs> for myself, for myself, right? Um, and I say that because, right, getting to drive and do stuff on somebody else's dime. But <laughs> nonetheless, to answer the question, um, I'd like to think that I did create a pretty good balance of school um, organizations in athletics, as well as just doing things that would prepare me for the future. Um, I did have a pretty little snappy attitude, and I may have not been the best student all the time, but there were some um, teachers, especially women of color, that saw something in me that I did not see in myself. Um, that would you know choose me for things that I'm, I'm like why me right and I may have not done it with grace all the time or may have not done it with enthusiasm but I began to realize like okay they're always asking me to speak right or they're always asking me to like do this or even in my friend circles realizing how like I'd be like hey did you study for that test like yeah we cutting a fool and you know we might make some plans to like say we go in one place and go another but did you do your homework <laughs> you know so it was that um, that just leader in me that, you know, the caring person in me who had the future in mind while also somehow knowing that like, we only gonna be young one time. So like, yeah, let's have fun. However, this is not forever. Um, and so looking back to on creating balance, I think that was where I got my first quote unquote thought of like creating balance and scheduling because there was always something, right? It was always some kind of commitment after school. There was always a game. There was always this, that, and the third. So being able to say, okay, cool. We got a game that's three hours away this week. Um, I can save my reading for that game because we can't talk on the bus on the way there anyways. So let me just read on the way there. 
and then on the way back you know if we win we can talk so hopefully we'll win and we can talk however even if we can't i'm going to sleep because it's dark right so mm -hmm. just being able to kind of think through some of those things even young kind of shows that i was like breaking into those leadership and strategic skills um and then my junior and senior just really thinking about like you know how to make myself a competitive person for college right um and not to think not to even try to set the premise that little little high school tab was perfect like i said she had an attitude and she did you know sneak off a little do some stuff she had no business but she definitely was like i want to be a boss and i want to um get all i can out of this thing called life and so in order to do that i'm sure there's some steps that 16 17 year old me can take um to make that happened so I took the SAT the first time pretty early uh just to kind of get a temperature on um you know what it was like the test itself and then like what what would I make <laughs> so um I took it I think the first time in maybe late 10th grade and so when I got my scores I was like okay yeah I need to work on this a bit so then I took it a few more times um to be able to get that score where I wanted it to be and I think I applied to um I don't know 10 or so schools kind of just basing on you know what I wanted to study and where I wanted to live in the state um so forward thinking while also enjoying uh pieces of the process right cutting the food with my friends having a good time but also um being futuristic in my thinking looking back in retrospect what did you what have you learned about yourself during that phase she was ready. <laughs> um, I think just being eager, right? Eager for whatever was the next, right? So um, I, I can't say like, oh, I had my mind dead set on being X, Y, Z, or I had my mind dead set on this. I definitely knew I was going to go to school and I was quite certain that I was going to pursue business. I look back a few, um, well, last year, actually, I celebrated my 10-year class reunion and I was looking back on some, you know, like the yearbook, my senior book and stuff. And I, I had a very high interest in computers. And so I thought computer science would be maybe a route for me. Um, but when I look back at some of my uh, like writings and things that I wrote in some of my courses, I talked a lot about business, entrepreneurship and philanthropy, even as like a 15, 16 year old. So I don't even know where those thoughts came from. You know, I don't know if it was a TV show I was watching back then. I don't know. You know, you know, I don't remember just like the details of what it was that, you know, put that little nugget in my head. Um, but just looking back on those documents, I was like, wow, you know, this is this is what I was thinking. And I also was similar to how I am now with certain, you know, just business projects. It was like, I wasn't afraid to like try things, right? I did a program teacher cadet to give it a try. And I was like, yeah, nah, it, this ain't it, right? I don't necessarily want to teach. There are ways to educate people in this world, but your girl ain't trying to be nobody's teacher, you know? So um, just, you know, doing that or picking, like picking something random when it's time to, you know, job shadow, just be like, I wonder what's that like, right? So being, she was very inquisitive. And I think that that was something that helped to propel uh, my future. Um, in so many ways. Mm -hmm. And so you, so I want to know you end up choosing Coastal Carolina. Uh, yes. What what went into that decision, um, and how was that transition? You know, getting acclimated from a small town to now you're on you know a college campus. 
Sure. So um, that selection process was a lot. I, I toured uh, quite a few institutions on my journey. Um, my parents attended South Carolina State in Orangeburg, South Carolina, and so for many years, and several of my other family members also. But um, so for many years, I just thought that's where it was going to be. So I wasn't really like looking, looking. Um, but as I, you know, kind of aged in my, like I said, my junior, senior, I was like, oh, maybe not. Um, that might not be the, the, the route for me. Um, I started looking at institutions. Like I said, I did a ton of touring. My junior year of high school, our cheer camp was actually at Coastal Carolina University and kind of put it on my radar. Um, and it's technically like local to me. It's about an hour away. So it would like be on the news. So my mom was kind of like, oh, I don't really know. You know, I'm like, wait, wait, wait. When you think about it, any school could be a private school. That's what the people are doing, right? So let's not, and furthermore, let's think about what the news does, right? Like they highlight news, you know? So. <laughs> Um, letting you know there's news going on at whatever school, but she was just like, well, I don't know about that. Um, but anywho, um, I toured uh, quite a few institutions in the state. I knew I was going to stay in state once my senior year came just because of uh, several of the fund, like the funding sources. So some of the scholarships and grants that I had wouldn't have left the state. Um, and so had that maybe not been a factor, I, I looked at like University of Tennessee and University of North Carolina Chap Chapel Hill. But once I got to my senior year and started looking at the numbers, um, a substantial amount of the funding that I had for school was state bound. So I realized, okay, I'm gonna stay in South Carolina. I'm gonna go to a public institution. Um, and I had been to Coastal for cheer camp. So I went again for like an official tour and I was sold. I really loved, um, the campus. Uh, I love the environment. I, I joke about it a lot, even when I work with students and parents and people. Now I'm just like, that tour, man, the way they cha they train those tour guides, even though they're students, they are, they, it's a one of a kind of experience. <laughs> so um, I was sold and I visited a lot of institutions um, as I was looking and I, I, in my latter years with stu other students, I'm like, ain't nobody got nothing on that tour experience. They can sell it to you. Um, but I really um, fell in love and I, I made that my spot to go. It's funny though, after my freshman year, I actually wanted to leave, uh, but I did not. Um, I stuck through, I didn't transfer, and I'm so glad that I didn't. I had quite an amazing experience um, at the institution. So the second part of that question was a transition. So the transition was tough. Um, going from, you know, everybody knows your name and not only do they know your name, they know everybody's name because it's small to an environment where nobody really knows your name. You're, you know, it wasn't a super large institution, which also went into my decision making. I didn't think that, you know, a Clemson or a Carolina or something large like that would have been good for me. Um, so Coastal's kind of like that, that perfect fit. So it wasn't huge but coming from um you know class 71 people it was very large so that was an acclimation process also just being away from home um did not have a car my freshman year so that was a change so not being able to be like i don't like what's in the cab i'm just gonna go to mcdonald's like uh, not unless you got a ride sis you're not so um that and just being exposed to so many so many different people so people at various academic levels so i'm not like one of the smartest people or i may not be it has been exposed to certain classes even 
that some of my peers had taken just simply because of where they maybe attended high school. Um, and then also on a different spectrum of seeing people that grew up in other small towns in South Carolina and just like the variations of poverty, right? And the different levels um, of poverty and or of wealth that people come into college with in their backstory. So it was definitely a transition process, but I found my spaces. I found organizations that could um, pour into me um, that I could, you know, be a part of and do service and, and get to know the campus, but that could also pour into me. Um, I had a mentor through a minority mentor program that was a savior. Um, looking back now, I'm like, wow, she was only like a year older than me or so, but just the fact that she had, you know, been on the campus longer. She was a business student. Um, so she was just dropping nuggets and, you know, pulling me out of my room when I didn't want to be there, inviting me to events. Um, some of those very small pieces um, played a huge factor in my overall success as an undergraduate student. While at, you know, while adjusting, what major did you choose and why? Ooh, so I chose to study business. Um, I kind of hit on that a little earlier that I, I was kind of like computer science or business. Those were kind of at my top. Um, Coastal, it has a, a pretty phenomenal business program. And I felt like that I would be able to pivot I didn't know that word in 2010, but I felt like I would be able to pivot in several ways with a business degree. Um, so business management was like kind of my focus. Um, and then once I got into that program, I learned about hospitality um, management. I was like, oh snap, like what's that? And I, you know, un I went on the website, kind of looked it up and then went and met with the director of the department. And he was explaining to me, you know, what that was, what is hospitality and tourism? what does that even mean um and I was very interested I, I realized that it's not something that goes away no matter what the economy looks like it's also several ways um like just several different avenues that you could be working as it relates to that um that industry and then lastly it required three internships to graduate and so I said hmm if three internships are required to graduate that means that this program is going to help me get those internships, meaning I'm going to have connections uh, because I I was starting to already hear, you know, people who had gone to school before and talking about wasting their money and, you know, student loan debt crisis and all that. I wasn't trying to have that narrative. So I'm like, if three internships are required and there are also professional organizations in the, the College of Business, I'm good. Like I'm a very extroverted, gonna meet you type of person. So I was like, I'm gonna make some connections, and your girls gonna walk up out of here with a job. So <laughs> that was kind of my what and why and reason. Um, and and I went from there. I didn't really know what that was going to entail, and it was very hard. Um, but I think what made me not like give up was because I was like, if I I can't think of anything I would change this to, right? Like I can't think of, you know, any, like I may switch from like management to marketing or something like that, but I knew that business, um, that arena was where I needed to be. So even when the rigor of the upper level classes came, I was just like, I gotta see it through because I can't see myself doing um, or studying, you know, anything else. Mm -hmm. Looking back over your experiences um, at Coastal, what major hurdles uh, did you overcome while at Coastal? My first major hurdle was the transition from freshman to sophomore year. Um, freshman year, I was 
I was like nervous, right? I had heard all this talk about, you know, college being so much harder than high school. And, you know, especially coming from a small county, a, a small school, um, the, I wouldn't be prepared for the rigor, right? The academic rigor. But freshman year wasn't really that hard. So I was like, oh, okay, maybe, you know, maybe it was hard for some people. Maybe college is hard for some people, but it isn't hard for Tav. <laughs> However, then came sophomore year <laughs> and it punched me in the face because that was when I got into, you know, more of those business classes. I got into like business calculus and like an entry level accounting and um, either macro or microeconomics. I don't remember which one, but all of it came at me like a ton of bricks. I was also trying to work. I had, you know, I was living off campus. So there was like a little commute to get there. Um, and I had joined a lot of organizations. Like I said, that was where I found my comfort. And I think that year I was a little confused as to whether I was majoring in business or if I was majoring in these organizations. <laughs> so between just being overcommitted as a you know student leader as, and working and adjusting to, oh, this work ain't as easy as freshman year. I might need to really study. I might need to pop up in some office hours. That was tough. And so that year I struggled a lot academically. I did not do well. I ended up having to take like six summer classes the summer between my sophomore and my junior year to be able to keep my scholarship um, and to stay on my four-year track because it's no shade to anyone who can't get it done in four, but especially because I was working, um, I was like, I'm getting up out of here in four years because there's no way I have anything left in me to be able to do it any longer than four years. <laughs> Those are some of the challenges. And then I think um, I didn't necessarily have uh, depression, if you will, post-grad depression, but I definitely had ingrained myself into the culture of my university and doing things. So there was definitely another transition when I was transitioning out, you know, um, from being like a senior in college to being an entry-level professional and then going on to grad school. So those were just some of the, the challenges, but the biggest piece came that sophomore year when I got that punch in the face and I had to like adjust. And then of course, I'm sure I can go without saying that that summer that I took those six classes to keep that scholarship your your girl was stressed out because I not only had to take the classes I had to do well in them so it was like I had to take them and I needed to make I think it was all A's and I could make maybe one B and so it was stressful and the work didn't stop like I continued to to work I was working like third shift at one of my jobs and I was working during the day at another one and that was when I would do some of my work when it was slow so it was it was it was it was the process okay it was the process before getting into graduation post-graduation um sure. what did you learn about yourself during your undergrad uh, phase uh, she's resilient, okay? She persisted, okay? You can't play with her. That, that's a, those are the biggest learning lessons because no matter what the adversity was, you know, I'm still coming through. I'm gonna make it happen after that. Um, hump, I got through that. I was on the theme list throughout my tenure. Like it didn't take me having to like do that again. Um, it hurt enough the first time, right? And I look at, you know, situations like that for me students not to compare myself or to compare them out different strokes for different folks stuff like that takes people out you know they just like you know what I'm gonna go back home or I'm gonna get a job or I'm gonna sit out a semester you know I'm gonna figure it out and I was like nah none of those are the checkbox for me so I'm gonna just you know I'm gonna figure this thing out and there were there were times I'm like gosh I gotta go get another paper signed because I took 
um, those courses are expensive. And so I was, you know, finding loopholes. So I took a few of the classes that I needed um, at a neighboring technical school over the summer and just like figuring out the process of like how to get that done. Who needs to sign a paper? Um, is this class going to transfer over? Is this going to count for my scholarship? You know, so figuring out all of those things. I was looking back, I'm like, okay, it's the resiliency for me because that that's the story. The resiliency, the the drive, the whatever to be like, this is going to happen. Um, I went in adamant about the fact that I was gonna come out a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. I made sure that that happened despite, you know, still having to take a full load, still having to work, still having to, um, be the leader that I had made myself become, right? I had joined some, several organizations and many of those I took on leadership roles. So despite any of my uh, personal desires, I still made sure that I upheld commitments. Um, so resiliency and then commitment and then the ability to network um, and make a, I guess you would say a positive name for myself. Um, when I look back over just business deals and opportunities and people who have been able to put me on, quote unquote, over the last eight years post-grad, it has been a lot of those connections that I made as an undergraduate student. Mm -hmm. And so how was that transition being so involved and then graduating and working for industry? Yeah, it was kind of tough. It was kind of tough on two ends. Kind of tough because, like, you know, I missed it. You know, that had become, it was it was very similar to, you know, the transition when you get ready to go, you know, to school for me because even in high school, you know, I was, like, sad my graduation. Like, first of all, there was something in me as a kid. I'm like, being an adult is not all what people think it's cracked up to be. That <laughs> looks real ghetto. So I don't know if I want to, <laughs> you know, I'm not in a rush to be, like, paying bills. I was like, and hey, ain't it so I was really sad furthermore you know I had met, built a tight net relationship with people you know I had played sports with the same group of girls I had been in class with the same group of people you know um so it was like a breaking of a tie and so I that same thing came four years later I had gotten you know into the routine of you know Mondays look like this and then on Tuesdays I go to class I go to meetings I do this you know I'm mentoring I'm going to this person's office these things are happening these opportunities are coming my way um and so I think that transition was like oh is, is the world going to be as kind right you know are things going to be you know similar and so my schedule just was so much lighter once I you know that first professional position because it was like I wake up I go to work I work and then I come home and you know I'm you know I was still getting invited to like happy hour or something like that because I did live in the area that I went to undergrad in for about six or seven months before moving for graduate school. Um, so I did still get invited, you know, some places I had line sisters and other sorority sisters and friends that I had created over time that were still, you know, in finishing up college. So I still did some stuff in the collegiate arena um, to help smooth over, you know, breaking that tie. But it, it was it was a transition, I will say. Mm -hmm. And so what was your motivation for going back to, to grad school? This is so funny because I did not want to. Um, I was not necessarily looking forward to it. And I also was not 
um, running to like chase another degree thinking that was going to like make more money or make me fulfilled or something like that. But I just got an opportunity that I could not pass up. Um, a gentleman that had worked at Coastal for some time and really took me under his wing. He was mentoring me. He was teaching me um, just some various things that he had learned along his journey. Um, he called me up and was like, hey, I'm at this institution now in Florida. They have some, you know, graduate assistant positions that are opening that would allow you to attend the institution for, you know, really low cost, almost no cost. And once I got there and also applied for some scholarships, because I'm going to find the coins, okay? <laughs> so um, it was an amazing opportunity. But the first time he presented it to me, y'all, I kid you not, I hung up the phone. It was not going to be a part of my process because I was like, I don't want to move to Florida. That's 10 hours away because it was in South Florida too. So I was like, I don't want to move away that far. Um, and I'm also not trying to go back to school right now. Like, you girl been in school her whole life. Not right now. Um, but sometimes we we have to take opportunities that are just once in a lifetime may not ever come again. So um, I went back to work that next week and I was just kind of looking at people in positions that at that time I would aspire to be in within maybe the next, you know, three to five years, right? And something, a common theme that I saw, whether it was the GM, the director of, you know, sales or marketing or someone who had transitioned from um, a hospitality property to corporate, a key theme I saw was maybe they rose the ranks in title and they may have rose the rank in um what they were making but the time right this that's an industry that tech technically does not sleep right um and so i was like i'm really just not trying to be a slave to anything i, I don't want to have to like give it my all all the time um and then also i'm 21 right i'm 20 like i'm literally 21 i, I did finish undergrad young so i was like i'm gonna just take this opportunity right if it works, great. You know, I'll come back with, I've lived in another state. I've got another degree. I got experience. I've done this and that. If it doesn't work, I'll just pack my little sign up and come back, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and so I was like, you know what, here we go. So I, I signed up to take the GRE, took the GRE, applied to the program. And I did not do so well on the GRE simply because I took it on a whim. I did not practice or prep much. And, but the rest of my packet was solid. So I was like, okay, let me turn on my tab with the brain. How can I make myself stand out? So I drove to South Florida for an interview with the director of the department that I was applying for. Um, because I, I did all of this very expedient. Like I, it was a very fast process. So yeah, I was in Myrtle Beach and I could have caught a plane, but it was like the next week. So the flight was like a grand. And so I was like, that's not about to happen, <laughs> but we can drive. So <laughs> I shout out to my best friend. She was dedicated. She took off work and we drove down for me to be able to, um, interview with the the director of the department and her assistant just so I could show just how dedicated I was because I knew I didn't have a strong test score and that was one of the things they were looking for I, I looking back I'm like my packet probably could have gotten me in but I don't know that right so what I'm gonna do to get go the extra mile the extra mile is never crowded so that's where I went <laughs> hey I agree with that and just for the listeners listening that is something that's very, very true. Um, I remember I graduated Florida A&M University with a 2.3 GPA. 
And I just felt that I couldn't get into any graduate program. So I made a portfolio of all the work that I did, pictures, descriptions. It was maybe maybe 30 pages long, full color. And I sent it to everybody with my package and that's what strengthened my package. So going to mile, going to extra mile does, you know, add an extra benefit to uh, your application process for those wanting to go to grad school. For sure, for sure, for sure. <laughs> but you had to drive, so that's a little different. So. Man, yes, I had to drive. And I mean, I asked for some strong recommendation letters and like all of that, but I was like, man, I gotta drive. And then another thing that I'll just kind of add to listeners for context is that, you know, I had a business degree, but I was going to graduate school for educational leadership. So another part of that drive was to be able to articulate to them in words, you know why you know what i'm saying yeah and so i didn't want them to think because on the outside looking in they you know they do this stuff so i could have been like trying to get into the education program just so i could transfer over to the college of business to get an mba because maybe i didn't think my application was strong enough to get in there but if i could just get into the school i could you know transition over you know they see a lot of things so i just wanted to be able to articulate you know, my why, my what, and let them see my passion um, for what I was doing. Yeah, yeah. And so once you got in, you know, how was that transition from South Carolina moving down to where you go? Boca oh, Raton. Boca Raton, yeah. Once I got in, oh, it was, oh, it was, uh, I would say from an academic side, it was over then because I, I, I did my thing to prove myself. Um, I was conditionally admitted. So what that meant was I was admitted, but under strict conditions, I couldn't make, I think it was under B plus or under C, but it didn't matter. I made straight A's throughout the program, one A minus. I'm still a little salty about that mm -hmm. five years later, but whatever. <laughs> um, so academically, the transition was smooth. I gave that my all once again, your girl was working full and part-time. So my time was very precious. So when I was gonna be working on school, I was working on school I transferred into a graduate chapter in, in South Florida so that I could just automatically have some people um you know who knew the lay of the land who were from there who I could rock with so I did some service and stuff with them and I that was my way of finding a social aspect since I was pretty young I did connect with the case on the campus also to just like you know hey I'm here from South Carolina um never even been here except that one random time that I drove for my interview um moved into a completely new like apartment complex like we sit in our deposit not even knowing the place existed but it did <laughs> and it was new it was nice um so that transition was interesting it was a it was a totally different world i had to be very transparent with like hey like i'm a, a country girl i've never seen many other nationalities between like white and black maybe a mexican but south florida if anyone listening knows is a melting pot and people identify as they are so it was just like haitians jamaicans people from all across the, the states and the globe um so that was a transition for me i had not ever been in such a culturally diverse area ever um so that was different but just once again being transparent sharing you know what my narrative was and not being afraid to allow people to educate me through the process 
um, it was a lot of inspiration also because I worked in Jupiter. And if anyone, you can, if you never heard of it, you can look it up. Um, <laughs> but it is a very prominent area in South Florida. So just being able to be around people that, you know, had figured out their, their path in life and really built wealth and being able to just ask them questions um so i was working there out back i ended up kind of climbing ranks a little while i was there became a corporate trainer um so just being able to talk to my guests and ask them um, you know about their process um what did they do how did they build their wealth how did they end up you know being there or retiring there especially those that retired there at you know what would be considered a younger age so under 60 right um, just being very inquisitive. I allowed myself to be a sponge while in South Florida. That's also um, where I allowed myself to kind of break into uh, just speaking and articulating and presenting um, on a larger scale um, and traveling to do so and just sitting at the feet of people who um, I felt like, ooh, how'd you do that, right? Or, hey, can I ask you something about that? Um, and being somewhere besides South Carolina and no, no, all the seasons was hot. So yeah. <laughs> the climate was definitely um, an amazing thing. And if you all can't, you know, there's a little theme in my life. Clearly, I like the beach, you know, Myrtle Beach, West Palm Beach. Um, I like the beach. I like water. So that was something that I, I learned. Um, I don't necessarily enjoy getting in it, but I download and decompress as well as just get creative energy from being near water. So I definitely learned a lot about myself in that transition because I was, you know, I was away from everything I knew, right? And so the pressures of having to, you know, show up for anybody or having to go to certain things or having to do, they didn't really exist. I did make friends. I got cool with, you know, some sorority sisters, but that pressure, especially when I first got there, it wasn't there. So I was able to spend more time with myself than I ever had to think in my life. So especially in my, what I would say, my adult life. And so I was um, just very grateful for that that time there. Mm-hmm. And so what was, what was your goal upon graduation? What do you do now? Like, what was that transition like? I went there in 2013. I was booked for a keynote speaking gig. Um, and I didn't know that that was like a thing. I didn't really know that you could be paid to speak all my life. I ran my mouth. You know, I, I got in trouble for running my mouth. All of that. So I didn't really know that like, oh, this thing that I got here could be a moneymaker. Whoa. And so um, that was interesting. But that happened before I left. Um, and I asked my mentor at the time, like, what, what should I send them? They're asking me like, um, what's my fee? And like, they're going to pay for my room. All this stuff. I'm like, this is a life? Like, wait, this is a thing it was like yes it is it can be um and that little seed that opportunity just planted something in me so fast forwarding I I talked a little bit earlier about how um I began to speak and present more while I was in graduate school and I kind of used that as my caveat um at different conferences and submitting proposals to do different things um and I was like wow I really want to do this I want to speak and I want to write and I want to be an educator of people but not necessarily be an educator um and so post uh grad school i had these very um what you can say they're bougie you can say they're high demand you can say what well, i listeners y'all can come up with whatever you want but i had like this list of criteria of what type of things i was applying for because at this point i am like 
I'm 23. I've been in school since four years old. Like there is absolutely no way someone's going to pay me pennies at the oldest. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way. And then I did not want to live anywhere cold because I'm like, I'm not going to be a good employee in the cold. Like I'm not coming. Like I just, the cold, (laughs) that's not it. You know, South Carolina does have seasons, but it does not, you know, the weather doesn't get too equipment in the winter. Um, we ain't having no snowstorms, right? Um, and then I went to South Florida where it was super warm. And so I'm like, I can't go anywhere where it's cold. Like I had all these parameters, which definitely made my job search a lot different than my peers who were like, I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything. I'm like, uh-uh, that's not me. Um, <laughs> and my just, I guess, minimum, like that I was like, I'm, it gotta be like a strong 45 to 55 for me to just be like, yes, I will move and work at your institution or your corporation or whatever. So I had some pretty strict uh, um, guidelines there. And then I think what added to me having those was not just the education. So I'm not gonna say that a part of my process I've talked about is working several times full and part-time throughout those educational tenures. So not only was I bringing the degrees, I was also bringing experience. The only difference in me and another candidate would be like the years work and the age. So I was very confident in the fact of like, I can ask, you know, this is going to be my starting point and it's gonna look a lot different than someone who maybe just has the education, right? And doesn't have as much professional work experience. So. Um, that was my, my rhyme or rhythm. And it took me some time. I was doing a whole lot of applications. Um, after graduate school, there is no shame in my story. I definitely waited tables the summer in between graduate school and me um, securing a position. Um, and it didn't, you know, it didn't matter to me. I knew that it wasn't my have all be all. And, you know, if anybody listening has waited tables before, this is where the money reside, you know, especially <laughs> as a young person. And so um, I would, you know, work my service shifts and I would apply for jobs before and after. And then I did secure one at a career institution. I was working as an assistant director of um, their career and student support services. And I was teaching an entry level hospitality course so full circle right um and so i that was that was pretty amazing and then during my time in that position is when i first started my business and this i think i had i was in that position for about hmm, uh, six seven months and then i started my business on the side just out of pure it was out of a lot of people were requesting for me to speak and do trainings and so i needed just the business to be able to do that um and then also i was somewhat bored right um i was always used to working multiple jobs and being in organizations and having a lot going on um so after work i was just like oh twiddling my thumb <laughs> um so i needed something to keep the brain keep the brain flowing mm-hmm. i, I want to add it's kind of transition a little bit I want to ask sure. what what gave you what was behind the idea of um, she is being mentored and where did that where did that come from? Oh, that's good. That's a good one. So that's oh, and that's also something we haven't talked about in the process. So I'm excited. <laughs> um, the idea taking it all the way back to to being here in a small town. I remember talking with a friend or two when we were in school. Like, dang man, you know it'd be cool. 
to have someone who's like not as old as our parents, but like, you know, not our teachers either, but like somewhere in between that just kind of knows a little bit more than us. But you know, it still could be, you know, keep it real. You know what I mean? We would just talk about it. And um, that would be cool. You know, whatever. We're just like teenagers talking about something that could be cool. But mm-hmm. once I, you know, transition out, I think about a key thing that um, helped me through this journey, like being able to um, be resilient and have confidence in the resilience. You know, you could be resilient and have zero confidence in it. Um, you can just be going through whatever your struggle is. But to have confidence through that resiliency and to be able to um, ask questions and have someone to ask the questions mentorship was at the core of that um, mentorship has been something that has just helped me um, and definitely I can say it's propelled my professional and personal life uh, so far mm-hmm. and so with that you know how to provide that opportunity for other girls who not only look like me but also from rural areas so she is me serves primarily rural areas, black girls from rural areas. Um, and we partner with organizations that also serve uh, black girls from rural areas just in different different areas. So whether that's different areas of South Carolina or Georgia, North Carolina, Arkansas, some of the other Southern states, um, that is where our primary focus is. Because if that was not our focus, I definitely tell anyone that probably wouldn't have been my avenue. I would have been a Girl Scout troop leader or I would have <laughs> um, linked up with someone already doing that type of work there's several amazing organizations across this country that do that work of um, helping to amplify the voices of, of black girls and women. But that key component of what we're doing is working with the rural, um, the rural team. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So thinking about that same note of mentoring and kind of reflecting, um, what advice would you give your younger self? Hey, you don't have to be anyone except the best version of yourself. Um, I talked a little earlier about various identities that I may have tried to take on to be able to fit in. Um, But the biggest caveat has been standing out. (laughs) That has been the biggest winner for me. So if I could go back and give her any advice, it would probably be, be okay with not fitting in, right? You actually don't need to fit in. You need to keep on standing out, keep being different, keep being weird. Um, Let people call you weird. They'll be the same people that'll be calling you for advice later. (laughs) This, pod, this podcast is called The Process Podcast. What does trust in the process mean to you? Ooh, that's, I need to, if you know, if I was bold, I think I'd tat it on my forehead. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, that's it, right? Trusting the process for me just means trusting um, day by day, right? The major wins um, really come day by day. Just being able to look back over Uh, the course of your life and just pull out different pieces that really stand out those pieces are the process right you you ask several questions and and listeners you've heard my responses um not many nuggets come from this degree that's hanging behind me it what that where the nuggets come from where the gems come from where the um oh this part comes from is from the process right um most of the greatness and most of the defining moments happen in in the process so trusting it to me means just submitting to the process and being okay with like 
every day isn't pomp and circumstance. Every day isn't you getting the degree or you getting the award or someone else clapping. Most of the days are the mundane activities that go um, day by day that you're just adding a drop into your bucket. So that for me is, you know, what it really means to trust the process. And um, it continues, right? Life is a, a journey and never a destination or, or it shouldn't be um, until they put us put us in the box and get ready to um, get rid of us. And they're talking about all the great things we've done. Until then, it's a journey. Um, and it is our job to continue to trust that process in each and every season of our lives. So even I trusted the process through that academic journey. I'm trusting the process now through business journeys. Um, and as things expand and they change and they pivot and you go through pan panoramas and stuff <laughs> like that, you know, trusting the process. So so that's it. That's the, that's, that's the magic for me. <laughs> that's the magic. That's the magic. Uh, I want to thank you so much for joining me on the podcast and to take the, your time out to, you know, explain in depth everything that you've been through through your transitions and reflecting on your experiences. Um, but I want to know, are there any lasting words that you want to leave with the listeners? Sure. So thank you so much. I want to return that. Thank you so much for having me and allowing me to to share with you and the listeners. Um, listeners, trust the process. You know, go for it. Um, either you're going to bump into what you were uh, looking to do or you're going to bump into something great along the way. Um, but if you don't continue to move forward, that's not going to happen. So there are going to be seasons where you're crawling. There are seasons where you're walking, seasons where you're running seasons when you're sprinting but all of those seasons consist of movement so do not become you know stagnant or stale that's not to say that there can't be times where you're like i'm okay with what i'm doing i'm not saying you always need to be chasing the next best thing don't get shiny object syndrome but what i'm really saying is don't ever feel like you're in a position of stuck um and if you get there get back to trust in your process, recenter yourself, go back and think about your process today and think about the things that have got you to where you are now um, and the things that can, you know, let me get some energy from there uh, to propel me forward, get me back crawling so then I can walk, I can run, I can sprint, but uh, continue to trust the process um, and be great. Listeners, you can unleash greatness any way you want. Anything is possible as long as we're alive. Awesome. Awesome. Where could the listeners find you if they want to connect with you or to give you feedback on this episode? Yes. And please do. Please do. Screenshot the episode. Drop it in your Instagram stories. Um, <laughs> tag me. Right. I am um, at Miss Tabitha D underscore on IG. I can be found on Facebook, LinkedIn, Snap, any uh, TikTok even. I'm not the best at it, but I'm there. Um, I'm Tabitha D James on most things. Um, my website is www.tabithadjames.com and that is where you can find just more about my story, um, the things I'm working on currently. So if you want to connect, see how we are, our paths can cross, anything like that, um, I'd love to see it. But yeah, you can find me on these social streets. If you forget all that blabble, just hit to the Googles, Tabitha D. James, and I am quite certain that I will pop up. <laughs> This episode was brought to you by Overcome Achieve Clothing. Allow what you have overcome to fuel the flame of persistence as you face and conquer your next challenge. Wear your truth. Overcome.
they're chanting, trust the process. <laughs> trust the process. Trust the process. I think the main thing for me was trying to decide on who am I and like what I want to be and how I want to be remembered. Like that was my thing. Right? You know, oftentimes I think about like my legacy and like the mark that I want to leave, not only on the industry, but the effect that I want to leave on people. Being a whole human being, going through my obstacles, going through the things that I'm going through and not to only broadcast these things, but for it to inspire change.